your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Do it to it, brother. Welcome to the Lutheran Stuff No Drama, No Drama Podcast. My name is Pastor Hoffman of Christ Lutheran Church and School in Coos Bay, Oregon. And with me is Zach Lesher of also Christ Lutheran Church in Michigan. Say hello, Zach. Hey, everybody. Bush League at its finest here. Bush League at its finest. I I am forced to agree that when you are this Bush League, you, you shout it out. So today, um, I, okay, I need to do a full disclosure. I don't know if we'll file this under confession and absolution or what, but last week, Zach and I got together and we recorded this episode. And in the process of having the post-show talk that I have with Zach every week, I was creating the new file for the upload. I did something wrong, and I deleted it, and it was gone. I mean, I'm talking undo. People are like, what about undo? My Linux machine was not going to undo it. So it was gone. I thought it had created an MP3 file, but it created an empty file. So it was gone. And uh, as I was as I was beating myself with a stick, Zach's like, it's all right, bro. We'll, we'll, do, we'll get it again next week. We'll do it. So, under that, um, we're, we're going to be finishing our study on Romans today. And um, we have Romans chapter 16, which, interestingly, it is its own theological section. Chapter 16 has three parts, if you're following along in the Lutheran Study Bible. There's the greetings, the final instructions, and the doxology. And so, as we read through this today, Zach and I are going to kind of pick apart these sections and then... We also have a really awesome question from one of our listeners from the No Drama Facebook page. So, um, as we said in 4-H, let's kick this pig. So, in chapter 16, I'm going to start reading it. We'll read it through and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get going. Okay, chapter 16, verse 1 begins with St. Paul. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at uh, uh, Sencray, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and myself as well. Greet Prissa and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet uh, Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. 
Greet my kinsmen, Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus in the Lord also, his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus and Phlegon and Hermes and Petrobus, Hermas and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent, as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and so Sosipater, my kinsman. I, Teritus, uh, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and to the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all the nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, so, okay, the first section there, uh, there's a lot of greetings to people. And there's a couple names there that we'll remember. There's a couple names that we recognize from earlier in the Bible. Um, we see uh, Prisca and Aquila, which often in Acts, they refer to her as Priscilla and Aquila. I mean, it's like saying Robert and Bob. I mean, there are, there are variations on names. So there's a couple names we know. And um, if if I'm not mistaken, I believe uh, Priscilla and Aquila are husband and wife also. Yeah, I, I believe they, it says so in Acts. Yeah. Um, Refer to Acts for that, people. Don't call us uh, heretics. <laughs> Acts fact, I believe that's the case there. They took Apollos aside and explained the ways of God more accurately. And I think uh, I think what Apollos was missing was uh, baptism. If you check in the text there in Acts. Yeah, verse 18 says that Aquila is a native of Pontus, and he came from Italy with his wife Priscilla. So yeah, we're no, so far we're uh, we're keeping it we're keeping it uh, orthodox. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we say go back and check. Uh, I think statement is always, hey, I'm not making it dogmatic. I just think. So, yeah. good, good, we're on par. And nobody should ever be worried of fear checking up on us, because if you know we make a mistake, as bush leaguers, even though we're bush leaguers, we're not, we're not heretics. So if we make a mistake, we'll say so in a podcast. We'll own up to it. 
We won't just, you know, get your email and go, yes, thank you very much. We'll own up to it. <laughs> yeah, big time. If you can't own up to a mistake, then uh, you kind of have to question if you're truly a Christian, right? Because uh, sure. the, whole, the whole gig is owning up to mistakes, right? Well, certainly. Then... I mean, if the, the worst thing, and, and unfortunately many Christian denominations have sort of removed this, not officially, but sort of in practice, is the idea that we're sinners who need to confess our sins, just as John says in his epistle. Um, but but if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, you know, confessing your sins is not just some task you're put to. It's actually a blessing. Absolutely, and the whole the whole reason for that is to get the absolution on the other side, the assurance and the forgiveness one in Jesus Christ. Yep. My confession of sin says uh, to the pastor, Sir, I need Jesus. And the pastor, in giving me absolution, says, Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> so what's really cool about chapter 16 here is all these people are united. Paul lists so many people, and you did such a great job of reading those names. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, the Lord be with you through that mess. <laughs> um, <laughs> the great thing is, is if, if we stop and think about it, what would all of us really have in common from all... I mean, me and you are across the United States from each other, right? Right. And, and we have totally different lives, totally different hobbies... But, I mean, there's this thing that unites all of us, and that's Jesus, right? So, right. I mean, it unites all Christians with all different hobbies, and it's so cool, you know, to see this play out now, and, and um, you know, in the church militant and the church triumphant. Well, um, and it's interesting for St. Paul, as as he already said earlier, being sent into these these lands of the of the Gentiles, you know he's dealing with pagans, right? I mean, he's he's dealing with people with some pretty messed up beliefs. And and he finds that in Christ, uh, Jew or Gentile, that's why he says it doesn't matter because Jesus is the same for all these people. And he's saying this knowing full well he's going into these pagan cultures that have some shocking and disturbing beliefs and yet it is Christ that you find them being united in faith in the, with the Holy Spirit. So, you know, that's that you, you make a good point. All those weird names are there on record as saying, look, look at all these different people. Look what they have in common. It's Jesus. Well, and Paul had a hardcore conscience. Out of all the apostles, Paul had the, God gave him the most... Uh, hardcore conscience out of out of all of them because Paul you know still loved orthodox Judaism but he was charged to bring the the gospel to the Gentiles and you know I can't imagine you know people like Peter had a hard time doing this right he withdrew back as yeah. it says in other texts but but uh, Paul was able to maintain you know the unity between Jew and Gentile and uh, just keep everything united in Christ. And he gave the Gentiles rules not to make the Jews stumble, and he gave the Jews rules not to make the Gentiles stumble. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's got a lot. You know that thing where people put plates on sticks and they spin them, and he's got a, quite a few plates on sticks. <laughs> <laughs> so just like in Galatians two, he he sort of chastises um, Peter for going, yeah, when the Jews are there, you're like, yeah, cool. When the Gentiles are there, you're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. But when you're around the Jews, you're kind of mocking the Gentiles. And he's trying to he's trying to play both sides. And um, that's just not how it works. Because in a way, he's accusing Peter of, of playing favorites. And that's just not Christianity. Yeah, James clearly says God shows no partiality. So... Uh, and, and, and this is why Paul's conscience is, is so cool because, um, you know, he doesn't, he just goes on to the mission that God gave him and he doesn't think twice about not showing partiality and bringing the message of Christ crucified, you know, to these guys as well without the written code. So, right. Um, you know, and this is something as Lutherans that we should always rejoice in, um, because, you know, um, it's doctrinal that we believe okay i mean just two seconds of honesty here we believe that what we believe is totally true we'd be psychopaths if we didn't so and we believe that um uh and we have all this great stuff even though we believe other christians can have salvation we always think you know what it's going to be your life is your 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 doctrine's going to be a little bit more difficult to swallow when you have all that stuff but um, the truth is, is you know, uh, we have no problem with saying, you know what, we've got it, we've got theologically it figured out. We're still sinners and broken, but we have this figured out, and um, that's the best thing that we want to bring. We don't say only Lutherans are saved, because then we would be like, oh, like Peter, oh, the Jews are better. But um, we do say the Lutherans have some stuff figured out that others would do well to get figured out as well. Just, just tell me when, and I'll pick it up from there. Pick it up right now. Yeah, definitely. And all uh, the unification of these saints that Paul talks about is just so cool to see that that uh, they're all brought together, you know, through Christ. All different backgrounds, all different people unified in Christ. You know, just like like Facebook. You know, we we have these we have the no drama group, and everybody there is brought together just with all different backgrounds with all different hobbies all different ethnicities by uh the call of the holy spirit to the gospel of jesus christ yeah that is definitely you know the no drama group is not perfect and it is not without drama but it is a great place to come in and get a little break from a lot of that stuff and you can have like reasonable conversations and of course, as long as there's sinners, there's going to be somebody going, Oh, yeah? How many angels can dance on the head of a pin? You know, I don't care. But um, but for the most part, once again, it's a great group. And I hope that people listening to this will go to nodramalutherans.podbean.com and subscribe to our uh, podcast because it's we only do it so people listen to it. It's not just because we want to talk in a mic. We hope that it helps people. Um. Let's see here. Do, do. Okay. Um, as we look here, um, we see this unification and everything. But in the next section, in 17, this is kind of a rubber hits the road moment. And it should. It should be. Um, because he says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles 
contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught, avoid them. Um, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. You know what? Um, this is the no drama thing is sometimes you'll see in these groups, people come in there just to troll. And we use the troll, the word troll to replace what St. Paul says is to cause divisions. Trolls are just for causing divisions. And, uh, and so, and, and it's, it's an obstacle, you know, because again, by the way, if I have any thoughts on things that happen in our world, just so you know, on Facebook, there's always somebody that goes, huh, I'm really surprised that you as a clergyman would say that. And they, like, they're using that, trying to use it against me. And, um, I'm just going, well, you know, as a clergyman, I, I don't really, uh, I don't really think you that means what you think it means and it's okay for me to say uh for example uh i think it's okay if we uh if we have if we protect our borders for example that doesn't mean i don't love people it means that you know every country not just america has a right and a responsibility to protect their citizens that's all i'm saying <laughs> right on and you're you're right you know love some sometimes sounds like hate and that's because man is sinful and you know in order to know which one is which you know people have to resort back to the scripture so if i say to you you know and a lot of people set up uh, a question as a statement they'll already frame it to look innocent and then they'll go ahead anyone who disagrees you know it looks like they're the bad guy right. when really they're the loving guy because if a guy's walking off a cliff again who's the loving one the one say, shouting bro stop there's a cliff or the guy you know on his other side saying hey it's a nice day yeah you do you, know? you buddy <laughs> yeah you're doing a great job you speed walking today bro keep it up you yeah. know or the guy who's saying hey cliff stop no but <laughs> what, what i see here when paul says i I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who con cause divisions or create obstacles contrary to the doctrine you have been taught. Avoid them. Now, we've had this issue where we've had some of our members bounce around from Eastern Orthodox to Catholics and other things. Paul's telling you, avoid the EO and avoid the uh, Roman Catholics. Why? They cause divisions. They're putting obstacles in your way that are contrary to the doctrine that you're being taught. A couple examples would be theosis, uh, praying to Mary, uh, progressive sanctification, things like these, right? So these are contrary to things Scripture does not teach, and they're contrary to sound doctrine. And how do they lure you in? With smooth talk and flattery. They're not yeah. just going to be like, hey, you know, we're going to... Uh, trick you here i notice this with the eo too they're real good at being sly with the smooth talk and the flattery so i right. give them kudos on that but uh well and find that that yeah they don't we don't hold to the same doctrine and that's literally why we i mean okay this is this is not a this is not a podcast on closed communion but it kind of is for example this is why we practice closed communion and people say well Closed communion isn't in the Bible. Well, actually, when you say that you want to avoid people who have a differing doctrine than you, that means in your religious life. 
And part of our religious life is receiving the true body and blood of Jesus Christ. And so when you have somebody there who says, uh, you guys are totally wrong, give me some crackers and juice. Well, no, I think we should probably separate from that because, you know, the Bible teaches us we should be separate. It doesn't say anything else. I'm not condemning them to hell or something. I'm saying, you know what, the Bible's kind of clear about this, so we don't agree. And, and you know, you go your way on this and I'll go mine. You've got your way, I've got Yahweh. <laughs> anyway, but... <laughs> so, um, and, and so, you know... That's really how it has to be. And um, so when people go, well, that's not really loving, I disagree. Because the scriptures um, say that if you love somebody, it, then you'll say something important. We're back to the cliff again. But um, if the scriptures say that the Lord's Supper could be harmful to somebody, well, hey, pastors, why don't you take some time out of your life and educate some people? Because we all want to give people the Lord's Supper. 100% of pastors do. But it comes with instruction. And so instruct them already. Don't just open your altars up. Instruct people. Do your job. And then you can deal. Then you can say, you know what? Faithfully, I've, I've read Romans 16. And, and on this matter of division, I've cleared up division. Because on one hand, you've instructed them and they go, nah, I don't believe that. Or they say, wow, I totally believe that. And so then your altar is not an open altar. It's an altar there for people receiving the the sacrament in a proper way. Right on, which goes back to the unity that of all these people that Paul confesses from 16 on to now. Now, I do want to insert a disclaimer, too, since I made a comment about Eastern Orthodox and Roman Catholics, we're not denying that there's Christians within those sects or that they're not saved. Uh, we're just saying that I gave the examples of doctrines that differ from what Scripture teaches, that they teach. So, disclaimer there. And you know... And, uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I have a Roman Catholic family. And they they know I'm a, a Lutheran pastor. And, and they don't... You know, I don't... You know, I we understand that we're different and it's the height of respect is to say yeah we actually do differ on some things and 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 they're important to us and so instead of making it world war three we go then they're important to us and so here's where we part ways but we're still my family i love them and um and they love me and and that's just we've said you know what we have doctrinal disagreements and on the resurrection well somebody's gonna pay up <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, and and for more on that, you guys can check out Francis Pieper uh, on the felicitous inconsistency in Christian dogmatics. So if we get into that, we'll be like three hours. But I, I want to point out here what Paul says, uh, For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise to what is good and innocent and what is evil. So that's a really important statement that Paul makes there. And how are we going to learn what is wise, innocent, good, and what is evil? I mean, that's all going to come through Scripture. I literally had this argument with a friend yesterday who claims direct revelation from God, and he didn't like losing the argument, so he just never called back. So Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, 
either either you're a Bible believing Christian or you're not. I mean, seriously. Well, and, and what he tried to do was make void the law by using other texts in Romans, even though we went over Romans seven, where Paul says that he died to the law in order that he may live to Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. I kept telling him, "Hey, dude, the law still serves a function, although it's not your salvation. It still serves a function." And Paul is proving the point that I proved yesterday right here. I guess I'm taking the point from Paul, who's inspired by the Holy Spirit here, um, that how do I know what's good and evil without the law? The yeah. law tells me what's good and what's evil. Well, again, that's just too much common sense. Um, so w- with the... You would think. You would think. Well, think about... The, I mean, he, this this thing, and, you know, there's there's... There's things that people will say are divisions that I don't think are divisions, you know, like uh, um, carpet color, things like that. But, um, you know, when we look at the scriptures and our catechism, for example, I think lays out some what I call really the non-negotiable stuff. Um, Our confessions lay out the non-negotiable stuff. Even Adiaphora is considered (laughs) non-negotiable. So, you know, I mean, there's plenty of there's plenty of stuff to say, look, man, if you like, you know, if there's certain things that you like to do or whatever, fine, but you got to stay away from these things here. And even I will say, and I'm not saying what hymns, instrumentation, for example, uh, some people are like, here's the difference. By the way, here's my two second rant on contemporary Christian music. One is people the argument is usually false they say well the organ isn't the only holy instrument and i'm like yeah i agree but um usually when they say well we want to use a different instrument what they're saying is we want a different hymnody and so they'll say it's it's not just an organ we could use other instruments sure so i hand them the lsb and go here use other instruments i brought the music and uh and they'll go what you know (laughs) so Honestly, that's my rant on that. So I'm actually going to make a, 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 a Pontian Lyra. It's an instrument from the Bible. And um, and I'm looking to learn how to play it. So there might be a Sunday where I actually use a Lyra. Um, and so <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I don't know. I'm not going to make any real serious money bets on that. But it's, um, it's something to say, yeah, but I'm going to use the hymnal. If somebody says, well, how come we can't use guitar or cello or whatever? I'm like, sure, take your cello. And I hand him the LSB and I go, go. <laughs> and because um, those hymns in there are nice and they're uh, they're uh, Christocentric. They're not like, Jesus, I do this for you. I do that for you. Kind of sounds like they're nagging. So it that's what we have to be careful about when the music is to say that, you know, it, they'll argue that it's about the instrumentations, and I argue it's about the theology of many modern hymns. Right on. And let me jump on that for two seconds without getting too far out of the way. So when we have a contemporary service, I sit with my mother, um, you know, with my family at church, and when I look over at my mother during a regular liturgical divine service with the hymnity, She's crying during the hymns. Now, this crying is a feeling from the Word. It's not a feeling that's guiding her emotions. It's a response to the Word, which has led to an emotion. 
But when I look over and it's contemporary, she sings the song and claps her hands. Yeah. So you can see the revivalism, and I can see the difference. And I pointed out to my mother, I say, dear mother, you're wrong here. You know, you have you have to look at this in light of scripture. That's something I'm still working on, and it's not good taste for me to talk about more than that on radio. But sure, fair enough. But... I noticed the difference between the two. You know, one's a response to the word in tears, like Mary Magdalene. She loves much because she's been forgiven much. And the other one's like playtime. Yeah. And um, that's, uh, I think that gets back to what I was saying. It isn't about instrumentation. It is about a distinct theological move in the church. And it's one that moves away from historic Christianity, which means it's moving away from Lutheranism. Um, so I, there's some here that I, I kind of forgot to mention when I, when I submarined our last recording. Um, I notice in this one we do see that you know, there are times when Paul uses a scribe. And uh, I like I like that the scribe gets to poke his head up. Uh, yeah, he's like, I'm here. <laughs> I know, it's like, hey, I, I Tiritus, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. It's like a, your kids when you're talking to grandma, say hi for me too. And uh, so anyway, I just thought that was kind of funny because it's not rare in this time. There were, there were scribes, they had a job and... A lot of people were smart, but it didn't mean they wrote very well, or, or Paul did. He actually was an amazing writer. But um, sometimes they would write for them and, you know, dictating it. Well, we have recording devices like we're using, oh, I don't know, right now. And so, you know, but with these guys, that was a that was a serious and a legit job. So <laughs> I'm like, good for you, Tertius. You got your little footnote, your 15 minutes of fame in the Bible there. So, uh, yes, and, and Tertius would not be Holy Spirit inspired. Paul is speaking divinely here and, and just re recording what, what Paul is dictating. Right. So, you know, Tertius, I don't know how much we have to subscribe to. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. I'm like, I'm sorry, we're just not in fellowship anymore. <laughs> yeah, if someone wants to say that, that Tertius, that this one text, 22 here, is not inspired, I'm not going to argue over it. Yeah. It's like that one where Paul says in uh, to the Corinthians, where he says, now I give a command, not the Lord. It's like, oh, I'm tuning out now, because Paul's li literally saying, well, the Holy Spirit's not inspiring this, but I am. Yeah. So, but Paul's a wise guy. You'd do well to listen to him. You know, it's like a church father, right? Sure. When he gives his own advice. Well, and again, he and he's he's differentiating, and that's important. He's saying, you know, it is I, not the the Lord, who says this. And so, let just letting you know, it's a good idea. Can't hold your feet to the fire on it, but it's a good idea. Um. Just like, you know, if, if your pastor gives you advice on driving and he's not from Detroit, you, know, you should probably take it. So, <laughs> oh man, the, I, my, my, my son's godfather, you know, they're from Detroit. And I'm like, why do you drive like this? He goes, that's how everybody drives in Detroit. I'm like, you're going to give me a heart attack. And uh, he's like, I'm, I'm a defensive driver. I'm an offensive driver. You think? So, uh, he's like, I want, I, I want to talk about verse 20 for a minute. The God of peace will soon cross Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now, how many times have you heard this ripped out of its context by 
uh, a word of faith kind of person that says, uh, oh, yeah, I, you know, and they, and they act like they're going to crush Satan by their own power or when this is. Yeah. Uh, why don't, why don't I defer the question to you? What's well, going on in this text? Well, he's bringing it off to him. He's, um, whatever, whatever is, uh, cause they don't, they don't really go into a lot of details on everything that's going on in the Roman church, but this, uh, this this gospel, this proclamation, whatever they're going through here. And by the way, we are always talking about the gospel here because that's the antecedent. So when we talk about crushing the the head of the serpent and everything, always remember that in their place, whatever this is going on there, they're going to be met by Christ and his promises. Right, yeah, and I wanted to touch on that because so many times, word of faith, people will take this out of context and act like they have, you know, authority, you know, to throw the devil and strongholds down and all this by their their own power or will. Uh, but clearly, the text says that God will soon crush Satan under your feet. So it's like, hang in there. Yeah, the resurrection's coming. Just hang in there. Hang tight. You have the promises to cling to. So while this life might not be uh peaches and cream it's coming yeah and and again it, it keeps you away from some sort of uh secular prosperity nonsense um and so again we did go back to 20 and um then there's more greetings now i think what with what you just said the doxology in the end the 25 and 26 and 27 does a lot to kind of back that up because he says now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ amen and so you see that it's the he's like to him how does he strengthen us through the preaching of Jesus Christ how what preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages what secret was that well as Christ is being re re revealed in the Old Testament who he is there and St. Paul says he's there but what's the deal now? Well, he's been disclosed as he came incarnate in the flesh, ministry, death, resurrection, and through the prophetic writings. So we're saying the works of Jesus Christ match up to the Old Testament and has been made known to all nations. We'll get to that in Matthew 28, 19, according to the command of the eternal God. So we see here who is, it's a confession of faith. It, it isn't just now he's able to strengthen you. How? Well, the preaching of Jesus Christ. In what way? The one who is revealed from where? The Old Testament and through the, and through the incarnation. You know, it's all there. No, you nailed it. And two things I really want to drive home is number one, monergism. God is doing the strengthening here. And number two, I've been having a lot of debate on Sola Scriptura lately with, uh, with EO and Roman Catholics. This is another text. It's been disclosed through the prophetic writings. 
So we have everything that we need. When they say, well, the New Testament, uh, well, the New Testament wasn't written, and therefore, you know, that's why you need a pope to speak for God, yada, yada, yada. You know, he comes from Peter, blah, blah. Well, we say, no, no, no. They had the Old Testament. Paul is saying it right here. They had the prophets. That's how we know, you know, mm -hmm. what's going on. They got the scriptures. You know, the Old Testament is not some closed book. We don't just read the New Testament. The Old Testament is just as profitable to understand and learn Christ from. Yeah, that's actually an old church heresy, um, thinking that you didn't need the Old Testament anymore. That that The church fathers declared that heresy. <laughs> So, yeah, when you're uh, when you're saying we don't we can throw the Old Testament out, we have the New Testament. No, why? Because is Christ divided? How many gods are there? So there's there's definitely that. Um, you know, by uh, I have to say, uh, was there anything else you wanted to go on on this? No, I think I think we uh, totally bush leagued at home. I do too, and you know, you know what, Zach? I really enjoyed doing Romans with you. That was this has been a good this has been a good study. I appreciate it. Amen. Glory be to God for the opportunity. And like you said, I hope people are listening. You know, so uh, that they can be edified through this. You got uh, a layman and a, and a pastor. You know, uh, tackling the Word of God here and answering questions. So come on, invite your friends. You know, we're doing the the heavy lifting for you. Sure. And just for the record, he can lift 600 more pounds than I can. So. <laughs> <laughs> we established that in an earlier episode, and I haven't increased my strength any. He that, that goes back to Romans 1. If I would have <laughs> I would be haughty, right? I would be haughty. <laughs> so you also had a good question uh, from the group, wasn't there one? Yes. You want me to read that off? That'd be awesome. All right. Let me read that off. All right, this question is from uh, Landon, and Landon asks, how do theology nerds like me encourage fellow Christians to know the basics of the faith without criticizing them if they have a simple faith? I mean, that's actually a really good question. I mean, because as Lutherans, um, and since we believe sola scriptura, that scripture is good and it's profitable uh, for teaching and rebuke and instruction. Um, we believe you should learn it. And and I'll say as a pastor, um, one of my jobs is to meet people wherever they're at theologically and to provide opportunities. It says it right in my call documents, for example, to provide opportunities to teach people the faith and uh, since St. Paul does talk about people being in different places in their faith, well, um, the way to encourage it is to go, hey, by the way, when you have your big Bible study on Sunday, that is not the time to study the innermost parts of, of uh, Levitical law and blah, blah, blah. The Sunday study should be something that anybody could come into where you can have a variety of people where they understand sometimes you're going to pause and explain things. And even though some people know more, they're supposed to be patient. So Sunday should be a time where anybody can come, go to the Bible study and have a great time. If you want to have an in-depth study 
on the book of Amos or whatever, um, or on the Revelation or something like that, don't pick it in the in the common times. You should you should have anything that you're studying be ready to have the milk drinkers and the steak eaters. Right on, and and also okay. So with this question, you're going to run into two two types of people in this category. You're going to have the types that are are just really slowly catechized, and you're going to have the types that say, "I know everything. I don't need to know any more." Yeah. And the second class is wrong. That's where you're going to have to break in and say, you know, we're never done learning, ever. You know, we, Pastor Hoffman and I have countless studies to do. I got piles and piles of books on, on theology, and there's always, you know, returning to the scriptures constantly to check the theology. And then as soon as you get it all down, you forget it, and you have to go back to the Book of Concord anyways and just go through it at least once a year. So anyone who says, I have simple faith, I don't need it no more, is wrong just i mean we just read in chapter 16 that paul wants them to grow wise unto salvation and know what is good and what is innocent and what is evil right so the person who says yeah i've been catechized or i've gone through confirmation so i've graduated i don't need further teaching that's the person <laughs> who's an error yeah now the one who's more slow you're just going to have to meet them where they're at yeah, and that's okay. It's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be walking together. That's why we're in a synod. That's what synod means. And so for uh, Landon to ask this question, I would say, you know, if you haven't read the small catechism, read it because it's the layman's Bible. That's what we call it. And um, attend Bible studies. Ask lots and lots of questions. Um, or just kick back and listen and take notes. But whatever you do, you should always be involved in, in something that, you know, hopefully your pastor is leading or something that is known to be a reputable study so that you can not only increase in knowledge, you can also increase in fellowship. I mean, there's lots of things for the, for the theology nerd to do um, that's, that's good for you. And, and it should be around an appropriate kind of Bible study not just one of those kind that you sit around and go, well, I feel this about it. And I'm like, really? Nobody really, yeah, you know. So what you want to do is say, well, what was what was David talking about here? <laughs> you know? So um, that's what you want. Also, you have to learn your audience. Are you, are you talking to a wolf or are you talking to a sheep? Because just last week I was involved with a... A, who I considered a wolf, and I was just going through the, the throat with Scripture, and that was to bring them to repentance, you know, just throwing down every single one of their arguments. Now, another one was a lost sheep trying to decipher his way, should I go Lutheran or should I go uh, Eastern Orthodox? Now, with that one, I was very patient, and I led into different questions and answers very slow. You don't just drop a truth bomb on them like, yeah. like a nuclear blow-up that they can't handle because they're already confused, and they're admitting they're confused. So I slowly walked through until the point where it came to, well, okay, so this a, these are where we disagree with EO. What do the scriptures say? And then they ask, you know, well, can you prove it from scripture? And that's when, boom, you drop the truth bomb. But you have to slowly lead yeah. them into it. So 
a big part of it is knowing your audience. Ask questions, in other words. Yeah. You know, what do you believe on this? What do you believe on this? What do you believe on this? And then from there, you know, you're able to work into um, what's what where they're struggling. Is it the means of grace? Is it understanding baptism with the sacrament of the altar with the preached word? Are they are they making them fight each other, or are they understanding that they work synergistically, as as God has said? You know, so sure. that's where you untangle the knot. Right, and so yeah, for for theology nerds, which that's okay to be, just just find yourself like even read good devotional material. Um, you know, it's not like the Missouri Synod doesn't have a bunch, <laughs> and so there's all kinds of things. Um, let's see, uh, Gerhardt had a has a really awesome devotion. Uh, devotional book. Um, I really enjoy Higher Things. I've been a big fan of their devotions for a while. And I'm not just saying that because I've written for them. I'm, I'm, I mean it. I read them and I enjoy them. And of course, there's the Treasury of Daily Prayer. If you don't have that book, seriously, pick it up. And um, there's all kinds of options you have. Uh, Praying the Psalms with Luther. Be sure to pick that up. Read Law and Gospel, the 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 um the study edition because uh or the reader's edition because it it has a lot of good footnotes and you know this kind of stuff there's all kinds of stuff that we have thanks be to god as a church body i feel we're so blessed to have so many rich opportunities to increase in our devotional lives yeah and some of our greatest theologians are dead you know i read dead people the majority of the time cabinets being you know, one of my favorites, um, you know, but not, not everybody can handle cabinets. So there's other versions out there, like you were saying, that are a little bit more watered down for, uh, like, like long gospel. You just mentioned long gospel. I think Pless has, has one that's uh, rightly handling the word of truth, which is like a watered down wall thinner where he walks through each thesis right. uh, at a slower pace. So, there's all different study materials, you know, that are kind of tailored towards, you know, where are you at theologically? Where's your understanding? Sure. Well, with that being said, that's really all the time we have for today. I do want to announce something. Um, we talked about it, and the group has pretty much thought it was a good idea. What uh, Zach and I are going to start with next time is the book of Galatians. So if you have your Lutheran Study Bible, I'm going to use the outline printed in there to go over it. And uh, we think it's a great book. And so we'll be starting that with that next week. So uh, thank you all for this, uh, for listening through this Roman study. Uh, this is Pastor Hoffman for Zach Lesher saying, see you next time from the Bush League.